Welcome to the ABQ Accent, where catalysts, innovators, and risk takers share what their accent is on their work. Like a spoken accent, we all have an inflection or emphasis on where we put our energy. Join us to learn how these folks are putting their accents to work, building their vision of the future, and how you can get involved. Welcome. I'm Mariah Harrison with the ABQ Accent, and I'm here with David Estrada from the Somos Unidos Foundation. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Mariah. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, I got to tell you, I've been looking forward to just catching up with you, so it's I might as well take advantage of bringing you on to the podcast and have a longer, more informal chat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to give a little bit of an intro on... Um, you know, your life. And, and I wonder if that's ever just weird that you hear other people talk about what your life might be as a broad scope. Not necessarily. Yeah. I feel like that's how we can connect with humans is sort of like where you find commonalities. And yeah. I feel that, um, you know, for me, it's always special to connect with people on that sort of level as well. Right on. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you my version and then I'd love for you to expand. Absolutely. All right. First and foremost, um, I want to congratulate you on just this week being announced as the new head coach for the Academy at Somos Unidos. Thank you. Um, yeah. Just for a little bit of that, like I've been the assistant coach for the last uh, two and a half years, uh, halfway through the year, I kind of sort of interimly like stepped into the head coaching position and yeah. then just recently it was uh, announced and obviously made official starting in 2024. So yeah, it's okay. a big step in my journey in terms of the coaching world. Yeah, I love it officially. And I, we'll definitely talk a little bit more about what that experience is like and what you're hoping for this year. For sure. Yeah. So uh, David Estrada grew up in Salinas, California, playing soccer with his brother and his family. It's a big, huge piece of his life, but it's not everything that makes him who he is. So mm -hmm. we'll talk more about that too. Definitely um, playing professionally for 11 years represented numerous different um, teams across the United States. Thankfully, we had him here at New Mexico United for two years, which is where I became a super fan, not only of United, but of, of David and his heart. Um, and as part of that fandom, the... Uh, both the team and I think the fans were really incredible to be able to recognize you as humanitarian of the year twice for um, United and twice for another team. So that that is sort of a perfect example to say what kind of a player you are, because it's not just about the team, but it's about the community you're part of. So tell me more about your background and what brought you to this work. Yeah. So um, like you mentioned, I was actually born in Mexico mm -hmm. and then moved out here to Salinas, California when I was about 10 months old. Um, my parents both worked in agriculture. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've always realized is that, uh, you know, they work so hard yeah. for such long hours. And then for me to be able to kind of like focus strictly on a sport, sometimes in in school as well, mm -hmm. you know, they, all they asked for me was to just continue as far as I can in school and they were going to take care of the rest. And so to say that, um, as we know, college is not, uh, it's not cheap. And so they did have to put me through the first quarter of my first year at UCLA. Yeah. Um, but then after that, I made them a promise um, that, that I was going to go there as a walk-on recruit and earn a scholarship. Um, but before I even went there, uh, I had kind of like lied to them and told them that I had financial aid. Uh -huh. And so that's something that not a lot of people know in terms of the risk taking that it takes to actually, um, you know, push yourself beyond what you think is possible. Mm -hmm. And obviously, even though in that moment I was sort of lying a little bit to my parents, um, I knew that in my heart, in my mind and in my soul, like I was going to push through anything right. that was going to put uh, be put in front of me. And so 
thankfully it worked out. Um, I ended up getting close to a full ride scholarship to UCLA as a soccer player. Amazing. As you can imagine, really, really good school. And then, um, but going back to what I was talking about, about my parents mm -hmm. is, and my younger brother as well, we were very privileged to be able to play soccer. Right. Um, we never got to play club soccer. Um, growing up, we played city league. Mm -hmm. Club soccer is when you start traveling out and like get to experience all those cool things. Um, my parents couldn't afford it. Right. Um, and so that's another unique thing about my upbringing is that I didn't get to play club soccer. I didn't get to experience too much of like that camaraderie of traveling so far with, with your teammates. And, mm -hmm. and so now with this role with the Somos Unidos Foundation and New Mexico United and this group of really talented uh, 15 to like 19 year old kids, we sort of remove those obstacles and, and sort of try to give them opportunities to, to be seen yeah. and, and sort of earn their way to hopefully either uh, training with the first team or some of them, which last year we had about eight guys that went to D1 college to play. And that's awesome. Uh, for me, that sort of kind of goes full circle yeah. in terms of where I was growing up and then sort of um, providing that opportunity for these guys. Because yeah. uh, that's that's how when we talk about like relating to these guys, I hope uh, when I speak to them, they, they know I, I sort of talk from experience. I don't talk from like, um, exactly. you know, thinking that I know everything. Mm -hmm. And and so that's sort of uh, how I try to approach coaching. Um, I don't think I always get it right, but uh, I always think I have their best interest in mind. And, you know, for me, it's like I said, I, I was waiting for this opportunity to sort of be the head coach. Yeah. And uh, I'm very fortunate, but with a lot of hard work to be able to kind of step now into this role. Mm -hmm. I think you're even being humble about the hard work. I think you're being humble about your life experience. And that is where the power of your heart comes in because you put that to work every day with your interactions with your with your um, athletes. Um, and I want to come back to the academy and a little bit about what coaching is like. Um, if it's okay with you, let's talk a little bit about for the layperson who might not understand the American soccer world, there are a number of different levels. There's, like you said, there's the city leagues, there's the club leagues, there's the professional, and then there's multiple layers of, of could you cliff notes that trajectory of what maybe somebody who doesn't have access ha would be able to do? Absolutely. I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know everything, right. but I have seen every level of soccer in, in, in America, um, whether it be coaching or through playing. Yeah. And so, at the very beginning, obviously, you have the grassroots, which is sort of AYSO, kind of like the younger ones, um, little kickers. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you sort of maybe get into more rec teams. And okay. if your kids are really committed, obviously, you want to support them. And that's when you start thinking about club soccer, where they, um, you know, they're able to travel, get into mm -hmm. tournaments, and um, they help them. They're, they're big time in terms of, you know, for me, that environment is sort of trying to put the best kids together in your area and then going to competing to other places to see how they measure and then see where you need to improve and get better. Um, from there, um, you have like sort of like ODPs and uh, from 14 and on okay. um, academies now. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. But what's crazy is in America, most MLS uh, teams now have youth academies that start as early as 10. That blows me away. It's crazy. So yeah. 10, 12, 14. In a good way. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, for yeah. sure. And so like each of these age groups have about 20 kids in each of these age groups. And okay. so you can imagine, um, you know, if you're a young kid and you get selected by, let's say, uh, just the maybe the closest in Colorado Rapids, right? Mm -hmm. You go there and now you're training with that badge on your chest and, and you're representing sort of hopefully what will be 
a future um, Colorado Rapids player. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of the pathway um, for us. Obviously, we only have one academy. Um, we sort of group the group to the, the ages together from 15 to 19. Mm -hmm. And so these guys are training consistently together. And what you tend to see is sort of obviously the top level 15s with the 19s, as you can imagine, de developmentally, mm -hmm. it's a pretty big gap. Yeah. But throughout the year, you see the gap getting smaller just mm -hmm. because these guys are pushing to get better. And these guys are only getting stronger and faster but the, the younger ones are still kind of pushing to, to stay with them and obviously we've had a lot of success stories in terms of the younger ones just kind of pushing through that again those challenges of mm. um, as coaches you, you have to kind of remind them it's like you're 15 years old and you're training with a 19 year old Incredible. four years of yeah. growth is yeah. a, and what's cool to see is that in soccer like it really doesn't matter how big or stronger how fast you are mm -hmm. um especially at these ages it's like how smart you are with the ball what you do off the ball and so that's some of the things that we really try to um pass on to these players to to really think the game as opposed to just like run yeah the game as a whole mm -hmm. yeah and so from there and take the next level in terms of our uh if you let's say you're an academy player at u17 most academies in mls it's u17 mm-hmm and so if you don't uh, make it to like professional level, which now they have MLS Next, which is sort of like a fourth division professional league, um, then you look to go to college, right? And okay. so yeah, yeah. what's happening now is you have a lot of these um, 18, 19 year old players um, who are sort of in a weird predicament because they're still young. It's like professional limbo. Yeah, <laughs> but they're still young, you yeah. know, but they're 18, 19 and, and sort of, at the higher level in MLS, if they don't see that sort of growth that they wanted, then they just kind of like let you go and, mm. and sort of you're, you're, you're on your own. And um, a lot of these players, what's cool about our environment is that we try to stay with them as long as they are committed to the program mm -hmm. and that they, they have sort of a plan in place where they may be, number one, like we never want to push guys to think like, the only way to success is to go to college. Right. Right. There's trade schools. There's family businesses that are local here that where individuals might decide to, to just help their family. And, and then for us, that's still success. But they have to come to us and tell us sort of like, this is what we're thinking that's good. beyond the 17, 18 year olds. Because sometimes we'll have 19 year olds that take a gap year now. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, with with um, with the pandemic, that sort of was uh, provided now for high high school students who kind of missed on their two years of, of high school and now they, they they're provided a gap year which now after they graduate from high school they still have about a year to to sort of figure out if if and if they want to go to college yeah. you know they, they can decide to do that a year after they graduate that's great um, yeah. and we have a few of those players who are at UNM um, going to school and so then we also have the U23s, which for us is a, som a summer program mm -hmm. where we invite a lot of our alumni uh, from the academy and mix with a few really high uh, prospect players from different top, from top universities to come and play during the summer. And so that way they're still sort of oh, wow. in our environment. Um, I'm pretty excited about this class that's coming back because there are gonna be a lot of those kids that mm -hmm. left last year, played a lot in college. And so we're going to be really, 
I don't want to jinx it, but I think we're going to be really, really good. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and then, so for us, our, our pathway is now, if they excel in this environment, along with their college environment, then we could even still offer them a professional contract, let's say at the age of 20, 21, right on. 22. It's not too late yeah, in, yeah. In, in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. In other markets, in other MLS uh, environments, like I said, 17, 18 is already kind of hitting, yeah. in, in their mind, is sort of hitting the ceiling. And so um, for us, we, we have a different model, and um, we just try to provide these opportunities, not just in our academy program, but also beyond with the U23s as well. Right on. I really love that they get that mixed access from folks from other universities. Mm-hmm. It's not just the sort of the cohort of the UNM or the New Mexico State um, talent, but... Mm-hmm. And that also speaks to the fact that, like, your 15-year-olds and your 19-year-olds are working together. You're not just, um, you're not pigeonholing anybody into a particular talent cohort, if you will. Mm -hmm. They get a lot of access to to be able to evolve. And I think our, sort of that model, it was sort of kind of like the way Albuquerque is, right? I I feel that when these high prospect players are all put together, they they push each other. And they know that our market is not as, our population is not as big as, let's Mm -hmm. say, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Like where the player pool might be way bigger. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like here, this is one team. Um, there are talks about potentially for us to be able to kind of invest more uh, resources into the younger groups, mm. but that's still kind of like in the works, which I believe is, is sort of something that's been missing uh, from what we've been doing w- in terms of the youth game. But yeah. that's it's just exciting times ahead. We just got a, a new academy director. His name is Matt Watson. Right played on. professionally for 15 years. And so he's an individual that's definitely going to help steer this academy and our, our the, the work that we do with the youth uh, in a different direction, mm-hmm. for sure. So my understanding is that, like, while you do have the specific program for the um, athletes that are training, you know, prior to, or, or I don't know what the calendar looks like exactly, but you go statewide to visit schools and to just, like, to bring access or bring students into the to the world of soccer, but you do it through like a, a leadership and a community-based mindset. You, mm-hmm. you know, these are, of course, inc- it's incredible to see some of the players from New Mexico United visit these schools. But um, what's the bigger mission and the bigger message that you do when when you guys travel throughout the state? Because yeah. I, I also want to, you can help me delineate because I know that the players are visiting statewide stuff, mm-hmm. but also the foundation um, does a couple things. Absolutely. And I think um, got to give a shout out to Linnea Romero Heck and yeah. Jules Myers, David Wiesicaro. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sort of like our community team. Um, they're in charge of sort of when we are, especially outside of Albuquerque, they're kind of coordinating if it's sort of the school that... Uh, proper if it's a proper time to go visit right they're in communication with the folks from from the school or uh, an after school program whatever it may be and for us and uh, Linnea is probably one of the best ones to to sort of carry this mission forward is is providing access to the game no matter what age Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. sometimes you'll see three or four year olds it's like the first time kicking a soccer ball and it's pretty unique to that being a New Mexico United uh, event, right? Mm-hmm. And and we want to continue to do that. And that's been a part of our mission. Uh, again, like this is New Mexico United, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love Albuquerque, mm-hmm. but all, it's also in our mission to, to go to places like Carlsbad, Roswell, yeah. uh, Santa Fe, all these places that, you know, are just as big of a part of, of this uh, badge as, as, in, as Albuquerque. I agree. 
Yeah, that's why the flag has every single city on the state, mm -hmm. one of the flags. Uh, and so to clarify, Linnea Romero is the new executive director for the Somos Unidos Foundation. We have had to say goodbye to Chanel, uh, mm -hmm. but I think that the, the, the work that Chanel and the rest of the team has done to bring us to the place that we are at now is really, really innovative and powerful. It's really setting an example for even other clubs, if I may. Mm -hmm. um, and so congratulations to Linnea. Uh, and I think we're going to see a lot from you guys, not just from the Academy players. I think a lot's going to come from the foundation. Absolutely. And one of our goals, too, is with through the foundation is to fully fund this program. Uh, of We have currently around 24 players mm -hmm. that are fully rostered. Um, and so, again, um, the foundation covers their uniforms, the travel, the registration, uh -huh. uh, training, everything that comes with uh, being uh, in a high-level academy. So that's, that's something that I know Lynette is very proud of. And, yeah. and so we'll continue to, to do that. It's substantial. Sure. Mm -hmm. I know. I didn't make it to this year's gala. What was the theme for this last year's I fundraiser? It was like something... Uh, what was it like, like hunger games like meats meats ethereal yeah, or something. yeah. so there was a trivia oh. i feel like there was like t against tables were put against each other or sections of the room and david we see carl was the host mm -hmm. and it, it was pretty pretty cool right on so we'll look out for that again this year maybe Absolutely. we'll put a link to we'll definitely put a link to the foundation yeah and so like those three are sort of trying to push um, this initiative of, of fundraising. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, th it's, I believe I should have, so bad, I should have brought the, should brought my notes. <laughs> but uh, next week at uh, Bolske Brewing, we're going to do a trivia night. Right on. And yeah. so those are little things that um, go a long way in terms of fundraising, obviously bringing the community together, but supporting a good cause, okay. which is uh, the Academy Blues. Do you remember what day that is? Okay, well, I'm going to find out. I don't out. want to look at my phone right now. I, I don't either, but I'm going to put it on the social when this releases. Yeah. Yeah, because sure. the timing will be actually perfect. So um, I might want a little bit of insight what it was like to be a professional player. Mm -hmm. um, I get to see the game from the stands. I've been on the pitch once. <laughs> um right prior to a game, and it was an entirely different perspective, and I can't imagine what it's like to be there with that um, those individual players have, everybody has big personality, but you all come together to, to really accomplish a mission during, during the soccer game. If, and just at the, just at the basics, you know, what was it like for you? Can you describe what it was like to play for New Mexico United and also to wrap up your professional career with that group of people? Mm -hmm. You were one of the original players, um, that people really connected with. I think you're one of the primary reasons that New Mexico statewide, um, has such a fan base. <laughs> But um, what's it like to be on the inside? Well, at, in the professional sports, like you usually have a career. And uh, I, I tell this to the guys all the time. It's kind of, kind of like this. Mm -hmm. It's like a roller coaster yeah. sometimes. But it's like either really low uh, or really high. Uh -huh. And the realities with the sport is you're not going to be at this club your entire career. And so you sort of choose to be... Um, in my case, was a bit of a journeyman and mm -hmm. kind of going wherever I was needed. Uh, and obviously playing for a club that I believed was going to go about doing the right things mm -hmm. and in the community. And I was in Seattle um, 2018, and I, was, I had a dual role. So I was coaching the U15s mm -hmm. 
and playing for the second team. Wow. And so okay. it was kind of magical. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. It was probably like the coolest year in my professional career because I sort of took on this role that I had to sort of uh, practice what I preached. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, setting the example for these young guys, I was 30 years old um, in that second team. My youngest teammate was probably 16. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was pretty awesome to be able to kind of really see myself as not just a player, mm-hmm. but to try to be an example for these guys. And um, it was so enjoyable. And we would play at a similar to here, a baseball stadium, Ch- Cheney Stadium out there in Tacoma, mm-hmm. Washington. Mm-hmm. And we would probably draw close to 2000 people. So. One of the realities is of like being an athlete, I, I think, is like you start seeing less people as like, so Seattle Sounders was sort of like um, the high, mm-hmm. which was like you're playing in front of 40,000 people each game. Wow. I didn't even realize that. <clears throat> yeah. Then I went to Sacramento, which you're playing in front of like 10,000 people. Okay. That was kind of like year after Seattle where I got, I, I went and played there for a little bit. And then obviously kind of less and less crowds. And then... Hmm. Um, you know, I, I decided to come out here because Troy Lesane uh, was my assistant coach at Charlotte Independence. I was there for two years, and there was uh, sort of rumors that he might be getting the head coaching position. And I reached out to him, like, if there was any chance that, you know, he was looking to recruit players. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I am. And luckily, he, he kept a spot for me on this team, and he was the main reason why, why I came out here. And he put me in touch with Peter Travasani, and mm-hmm. he told me, like, on the phone, look, we're going to do big things in the community. And Troy is saying that you're going to be a big part of this. And we really want you here. That's great. And, and so for me, that they didn't have to tell me anymore. Like, and, um, yeah, going to the stadium, Isotopes, and seeing close to 12,500 people. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the people at the front office work so hard. Uh, Tyler Ortega, he does yeah. broadcasting. He, he worked really hard. He worked really hard. He had a team about, I want to say, less than 10 people. Um, and so it was beautiful to be at that stage in my career mm-hmm. and thinking like, you know, I'm in the tail end and then playing in front of like over 10,000 people day in and didn't matter if we win or lost, like the people were there supporting us. And, yeah. um, it was truly one of the best decisions in terms of playing. And then obviously it was a no brainer now mm-hmm. that I transitioned into this front office position where, right. you know, I think Peter kept his word in terms of. We're going to continue to be there for the community, right. be different than other clubs. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's been really, really special to continue to be here. There's like three different chapters here that we could go into, but I'm really, I'm, I'm getting a better visual of what your evolution is into becoming head coach right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the experience that you're mentioning is exactly why I think that the players need to be continuing to respect and listen to you. Because like I said earlier, you're, you come to the game for their well-being, not for you to listen to yourself and because <laughs> your words are wise. Um, and so the the other part of, you know, this bigger story is like your interaction with your previous coaches. Like, I mean, Coach Lassane knew what he was doing, and I think it's it also says something to your players right now that you advocated for yourself, that you reached out to somebody that you valued and that you respected to see what their thoughts were on incorporating you. And then you stuck around and you also were part of that, building something really unique in New Mexico. And now... We have something to look forward to with the new stadium. Mm-hmm. I don't love that I don't know all the players yet. I'm still figuring it out. It's okay, it's a big it's overhaul. A big There's thing. a lot, a lot yeah. of new players, this a lot of new season. faces. But 
I have really loved watching the Academy kids come up. I mean, every single time that someone new comes onto the pitch that, um, that I know is from the Academy, that's a magical moment. Mm -hmm. And obviously I think for me, selfishly, Mm -hmm. I want, um, all my, all the Academy players to, to have a chance to, to play with the first team. Um, I think it'd be naive to say that, oh, it's okay. Like you guys just play as, as far as you can as, cause they're, they're highly motivated individuals, right? Right. I would feel bad telling them, no, this is your ceiling. This is as far as you're going to get. Right. And for me to be able to have that connection. And now with Eric Quill, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Watson, mm-hmm. the assistant coach slash Academy director, Luke Sanford, who was the Academy head coach. Right. Um, I want to push these guys to be hungry, to want to train with the first team. Yep. Um, right now we have three individuals that are training. They're in Tucson right now. The first team's in Tucson and they've been with them for the last, uh, week and a half or so. And they're playing, they're training well, they're, they're representing our Academy program really well. And and I think their success is only going to speak and provide more opportunities for future Academy players. And, And for me, that, that's something that's really, really exciting for this year. Yeah. Um, so if you really enjoy um, seeing some of our academy players uh, on the field, mm-hmm. I can assure you, um, you'll, you'll be excited about this year for yeah. sure. Well, and we can go watch. Those are public games too, right? The academy games? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, our schedule's not out yet, but um, yeah, so we have the black and yellow bash mm-hmm. game. I, I think they might see some minutes there. So Eric Quill has has seen um, Jackson Dubois, uh, Yuto Katani, and Jay Says, all kids in their their 18, right? Yeah. And they've been doing really well. So, uh, you know, like I said, if they continue to do well, they, they're only putting themselves in a really good position, but also being reflective of what they do day in, day out with the group that we mm-hmm. work with. Yeah, coaching is no small feat, and I think the biggest part that you're – insinuating about or, or referring to is, um, is character building it, it, the interactions, not just with their teammates, but with their relationship to their community and, um, who they travel with and who they train with that might not t- traditionally be on their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in relation to that, um, I want to kick it back just a sec to, um, when you and I first met, you were trying to just sort of, I, th- I think, um, get a better understanding and a better feel and uh, kind of make deeper connections with the city right now in Albuquerque when you're mo- moving here. And so what I saw is that you, you also, like I said, a minute ago, walk the talk. Like if you say, I'd like to be, I'm interested in youth coaching. You, you went out and did that. Mm-hmm. You're interested in continuing your education. You did that. Um, and, but what people might not see as much because you're not, um, you're, you're a beautiful, humble heart. Mm-hmm. You're not heavy on the socials. And I think that you, um, take your connection to your community personally. So there's not necessarily a professional or even any other reason to share as much, but I'm going to ask you to share a little bit more about what you do with your community, because I know you work with the community centers, Mm -hmm. different youth groups. Um, it's just, I think part of who you are to stay connected. How do you do that? Especially in Albuquerque. So one of the things that I've been very lucky in terms of is just having access to individuals that you know, are willing to have conversations. Um, You know, in Seattle, Gary Wright was sort of this individual who created the press box idea. His name is in the press box, Gary Wright. He sat down with me and had a conversation about his journey, about how he got to where he was at. Mm -hmm. You know, I 
I never thought he would, this guy would make time for, for someone like myself, because number one, I'm going to be really honest. I wasn't like, not like a consistent starter for the Seattle Sounders. Right. Mm -hmm. I was about like being in the community and consistently in the community, not just one offs or Mm -hmm. once or twice a year. Mm -hmm. I made it my mission to be consistently in the community because I wanted to connect with the community. Yeah. And so like you, when I, when I moved out here, uh, sort of connecting with you, it was sort of hearing all these things about Albuquerque, right? All these negative things. And I was tired of that. Yeah. But I also saw individuals, organizations uh, that were going far and above and beyond to change the narrative with action, right? And and so for me, it was like, I want to be a part of this group because I, I do want to, I'm, I'm I moved out here to have a positive impact mm-hmm. and I have to surround myself with individuals that see Albuquerque for its potential and not for what anybody else thinks or says, right? right? And I'm not trying to be naive or like this delusional individual. I see what's there, mm-hmm. right? I experience it in Salinas too. Um, but I still think like this place is beautiful. It, in some instances, I think most people like don't see the beauty of it. And, and I think it's important to, to sometimes just remind folks. And I really appreciate you taking the time to to meet that that time because at the same time, I was also kind of trying to figure out what I want to do next. And yeah. I knew that I always said this. I wanted to work for a nonprofit. I didn't know how that was going to shape out. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to be involved in, in the coaching role at some point. And, you know, very, very fortunate that. The stars aligned. I, w- I work for the Somos Unidos Foundation yep. and I'm the academy head coach. And so, um, but I have to have those conversations with individuals who sort of kind of steer you in a certain way and, and sort of tell you like, well, what about this? Think about that. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it's sometimes <clears throat> even at a younger age, even at an older age, like we don't want to seek out sort of those those voices because we might hear things that, are going to tell us the reality of it. And, and sometimes the reality is you have to go and seek opportunities elsewhere, mm. but then not hope to bring it back to, to your community. Um, and for me, having those conversations with, with like you, I, I felt like it was sort of, uh, number one, grounding me and, and rooting me here, but also um, giving me better perspective of, of where the needs were yeah. and how, how I could serve this community. Yeah. Well, I think you were intentionally putting yourself in a vulnerable position to ask for guidance, but also just input and also um, getting to know folks in the community. And you, and then your conversations evolve and your questions change and your knowledge, you build your knowledge and then you just, it's the best you can do. I think, I think you really set an example for a lot of folks, even grown, grown adults that need to be asking more questions about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I also have to say, like, in terms of working for a community center, I worked for a community center mm-hmm. for maybe close to a year thanks to Brianna I was by far the oldest guy at this career fair or like even the hiring day like I was by far the oldest dude for a city hiring day at the community centers yeah yeah yeah. and I knew that that was going to be the case because obviously it's usually young folks in these roles to Mm -hmm. to sort of help these um little ones and I wanted to put myself in that position because I felt like I was still like a teenager still trying to like figure out what was next for me. And yeah. I think a lot of these teenagers are sort of 
figuring out what they want to do. And mm -hmm. uh, for me, there's just something different in terms of being able to consistently connect with individuals in my community and hopefully having a positive impact because yeah. they have a positive impact in me too. You know, I, I think it's a sort of two-way street. It's, it's reciprocal, yeah. Um, I'm very, very fortunate to to be able to uh, coach these these young men. And um, I hope that with the way I coach, they understand that they bring joy to my life too because I never want it to be like this sort of like sergeant mentality. No. And like you have to do what I say or else. Like that's, I, I don't think that's the way uh, most individuals learn mm -hmm. uh, to love the game. And so I just... I feel very fortunate that I have been surrounded by by good folks in, in right. this journey. Yeah. Well, we're fortunate to have you, too. Thank you so much for being with us today. And I want to um, acknowledge your humble heart, and but also the fact that you are in an incredibly beautiful position of leadership to wear your heart on your sleeve to show these young men that they can play with their heart and connect to their community in a lot of different ways. Thank you for having me, Mariah. You know I owe you so much mm -hmm. in terms of the journey, that the, the path that I took, and I... I Hope you know that one of the reasons why Albuquerque is so beautiful is because individuals like you. Oh, thanks. I'm glad to know you. So uh, y'all can get on to SomosUnidosFoundation.org to find out more. Um, and if there's any way that we can get you guys connected, um, these are really... This particular group of people is always looking for, I think, activities and interactions with other groups that they haven't maybe met with yet. So David is the person to reach out to if you want to work more with and these folks. Jules Myers. And Jules Myers. And Linnea Romero. And Linnea Romero. I'll tell you what, it's a star team, that's for sure. Um, and last little shout out I want to give is to the Bloomstone for loaning us this beautiful Valentine's Day heart today. I think both, um, both David and I are trying to exude a little extra love into the community today. And thank you. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. This has been the Albuquerque Accent, and we hope you come back to hear another accent. <laughs>